Brian Nichols, you're a great man with some great ideas, a great podcast. Do you see why he's my favorite libertarian people? <laughs> yes. He's full of common sense and wisdom. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. Today I'm joined by easily one of the best of the best, Matt Kitty. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Hey, Brian, it's good to be with you. By the way, let me take a step back and say I love what you're doing. I love the conversational style, and it's a combination of good fun and serious ideas. I love the fact that your show's doing what it does, and, and this is how we win the future. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest-growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. There's so many things that we can do to make America freer and the world better and safer and more peaceful. Everybody has the responsibility of trying to help to do that. You know, what you're doing with your podcast is a perfect example of, you know, you're doing this as a labor of love and for the cause, and that is exactly what we have to have. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. All right, welcome back to the Brian Nichols Show here on another fun-filled episode. Uh, today I am joined by, yes, a great, phenomenal, fantastic, whatever adjective you'd like to use for my next guest. She's a mother of three daughters and a wife who runs a small neuromuscular therapy practice in Massachusetts. She started tweeting back in December 9th of 2017. It's funny, I actually remember when she uh, she started tweeting because I, I think I was one of her first follows. Uh, and she started tweeting as an outlet for her politics from a state that isn't very receptive to liberty being obviously Massachusetts. She has since built a following of 17,000 people over the course of, yes, 10 months and 28 days. And if you're listening to this podcast, I can almost guarantee within the libertarian sphere of influence, you have followed her or you at least know of her in some way, shape, or form. I am joined by the one and only at TRHL official, Josie, the redheaded libertarian. Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. Absolutely. And I am excited to have you on because I, so back in December of 2017, when I started following you on Twitter, um, I, I kind of had this feeling like, wow, she, she's able to convey libertarianism. She isn't you, um, Josie, was able to convey libertarianism in a way that the average person was able to understand. And I think one of the things you do um, that I really enjoy seeing is when you'll do your um, dear person name on Twitter who posts some ridiculous thing about libertarianism. You're, you quote tweet him, you say, Dear Janet, I see you You thought that libertarianism was this, 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 and this. Actually, and then you go off on a nice little explanation as to what actually is the, the principle or the value that's being promoted. And... You essentially school them into shame, which is phenomenal because I think a lot of people within, not necessarily the, the LP, but just in politics in general, they mischaracterize and build strawman uh, positions for libertarianism. And it takes someone like you who is standing up saying, nope, you're wrong. And here is actually what we're talking about. And here's why it's important to right now. So for that, I'm just fascinated by your approach. So I know you mentioned, I mentioned your, your intro there is that this was kind of an outlet for you to get into, uh, releasing your, your political frustrations, but really number one, what led you to be a libertarian? Um, and two, what have you been able to do that nobody else can do that has helped you captivate 17,000 followers in less than a year? And obviously your message is resonating. 
Oh, my goodness. Well, I have always been a libertarian. I just didn't really know what I was. Um, so I've always believed I, I never liked being told what to do any any time growing up, anything like that. I was always a good listener, but I never liked it. And I wasn't very feelings oriented either. Um, so if somebody would try to say something like in play to my feelings, I felt like it was manipulative and kind of insulting as opposed to, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't feel bad for people, you know, like if they were trying to force me to feel bad for them, I would I have empathy as opposed to sympathy. And I think that that is a huge difference when it comes to libertarian libertarians versus socialists, for instance, libertarians are led by their empathy. We are empathetic. We can get right down to your level and say, I understand you. Um, whereas sympathy would get you down to a level and be like, oh, I feel for you, you know, and, and I think that's an important difference. Libertarians are excellent at empathy and they're not as good at at sympathy. You know, we are mm -hmm. we're not very sympathetic people. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and I think a lot of people confuse they they confuse sympathy with empathy. So they conflate the two and they don't realize that there is that difference that but libertarians are the most empathetic people and the least sympathetic people. Um <laughs> So libertarianism is essentially it's, it's a political philosophy and it advocates for minimal state intervention in the lives of citizens. This I actually spoke about on Twitter maybe yesterday or the day before um, that libertarianism is on a spectrum, um, which is why there's so much divide. You know, libertarians are always fighting with one another. So libertarian spectrum is anywhere from anarchists to ANCAP to minarchists to conservative libertarians. Uh, essentially what, what libertarians believe is don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. That's really <laughs> what it comes down to. And we believe this on the level of the individual. We don't believe in collectivism. We believe this on the level of the individual, which makes us the most empathetic group of people because sympathy needs collectivism to work. Empathy needs the individual to work because we have our own experiences. Um, so libertarianism is based in economic freedom. It's based in property rights, uh, constitutional rights, like the right to keep and bear arms. Um, some, some, um, of the spectrum of libertarianism, um, believes in optional taxation for justice and defense. This really comes down to minarchy. We believe in merit over identity, as I was saying, um, non-aggression principle, which is don't use force unless you're defending yourself and just don't hurt people. Um, you know, non-force, uh, personal choices. Um, we have a non-interventionist uh, foreign policy belief. Most of us do. And civil liberties, privacy, and, you know, personal freedom. We own our own body. It's it's funny that you say don't hurt people, don't take people's stuff, because that's really one of the core tenets of my show. Um, I actually did, am doing still a, a bumper sticker sale um, to help spread that message. The bumper stickers are That's don't awesome. hurt people, don't take people's stuff. Um, <laughs> I might order one. Yeah, please feel free. Um, and, and one of the things about the don't hurt people, don't take people's stuff messaging is that I think anybody across the board, whether they're libertarian, conservative, Republican, Democrat, progressive, leftist, communist, socialist, People can, across the board, understand what it means to say don't hurt people and then don't take their stuff. Um, however, then once we like kind of go into the realm of politics and start talking about actual policy, so electing people to either A, enact laws, or B, to 
<laughs> fingers crossed, take away certain laws to open up, as we would like to see, the, the markets and, and personal freedom and choice, um, the don't hurt people, don't take people's stuff idea kind of gets pushed to the back in in lieu of their own personal desires by using government to enact their own uh, their own ventures, their own desires, their own will. Um, so I think there's a really big disconnect from people understanding and appreciating the the don't hurt people, don't take their stuff, and then actually in, uh, taking that and putting it into action in government. So I'm curious to hear in your perspective what what should we do as greater libertarians to help not only promote the message, but then actually influence people in government or, or people running for government at the very least to then take those um, ideas and actually put them into policy. Enjoying today's episode? Take a second to share today's episode with family and friends on social media. Want to do even more? Swing over to iTunes and give The Brian Nichols Show a rate and review. I believe what the LP did when they were running... Um, Gary Johnson and Bill Weld, they did get more attention to libertarianism than anybody else did. However, they framed libertarianism as centrism. You know, Mm -hmm. we want to be out of your bedroom and out of your wallet was their big, that was their go-to as opposed to don't hurt people, don't take their stuff. And, you know, so a lot of people did get more involved, but it was for the wrong reasons. So we had centrism, but we had, you know, democratic centrists and Republican centrist. And this is not, it, there are tenets of libertarianism that um, are centrism, but it's not the first tenet. It would, it would be so far down the list for me of centrism as libertarianism. Um, so I, I believe that they, they were able to kind of hook, line, sinker, get people involved with the party by using centrism. But I believe they should try to get people in the party by using libertarianism, you know, by using. (laughs) Imagine that. (laughs) We can try economic freedom and property rights. Like we can try individual responsibility and try it. Like, so when I, when, when people think libertarian for me, when I get my haters, when I get my family, when I get you know, people from this area, my, my friends have no idea I run this page, you know, cause they would not understand it. Um, when they think of libertarianism, when they think of libertarians, they think of naked guy dancing on the stage. They think mm-hmm. of vermin Supreme with a boot on his head, you know, or they think of Gary Aleppo Johnson, or they think of, um, the, my Republican side thinks of Bill Weld praising Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. And those are, that's how people see libertarianism. It's almost like they need to go like, okay, time out, rewind, fresh start. Hi, I'm libertarianism. Here's what I'm all about. No, I, I 100% agree. I just, let's discuss this part right here. Um, and, and obviously let's dig into the, the 2018 election. So here we are we're recording on November 7th, the day after the primaries, or the, I'm sorry, the day after the midterms, uh, here in, in 2018 in November. And the the GOP and Democrats pretty much split. Uh, so here I pull up the numbers really quick. So you look into the Senate right now um, of the races that have officially been called. The Republicans maintain majority in the Senate, fifty one percent. Democratic uh, Party forty four percent in the Senate. Uh, there are still a couple of races. I think there's three seats that. What's have yet- the What's the Senate number again? You said fifty one, but I know that's not right. It's conf- so officially. Confirmed, 51 votes. There's Okay, okay. I see yeah, there's three seats that are technically not decided yet. 
Um, but like, so we just got to wait. But forty-four decided for Democrats, fifty-one for right for Republicans. Okay, okay, yeah, and and like it's it's then looking at the the House. Um, so Democrats have twenty-two, uh, or two hundred twenty-two vote uh, votes in in the House, and then Republicans have one hundred ninety-six. Uh, the Democrats gained um, close to like thirty seats. Um, I'm sorry, I'm writing these down as you're going. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, you're good. All right, two, two, two for Dems, and what was the number for Republicans? Yeah, one ninety-six. One ninety-six. All right. Um, so we we're seeing a a shift in America right now. Obviously, back towards the Democratic Party with the it, it's pretty much it, it happens every um pro, uh, midterm after the presidential election. So 2016, Trump's elected, Republicans are in power, and then 2018, it was almost guaranteed that in some way, shape, or form, Democrats were going to gain seats either in the House, the Senate, or both. Um, it's happened pretty much every. Uh, midterm after the presidential election for, I think it's over the past hundred years with the exception of 2002, which was obviously with- Right uh, after 9-11. Right at, um, yeah, exactly. I believe George Bush gained seats in the yes, House. Yes, correct. Yes. Yeah, and that was the only time that that's actually happened in, in the past like hundred years. And that's because we had a national, the worst thing to ever happen. Right, exactly. And, and here we are, I mean, we're in a perfect time for- libertarians to make a name for themselves because the tribalism within America is just so poisonous. I mean, you have um, the whole Kavanaugh hearing where you had Republicans versus Democrats. And, and it was, it was, it was really gross in my opinion of like this um, weaponization of the me too mo- uh, movement. And you, you see this opening for libertarians and yet libertarian candidates across the nation just, just end up always finishing in third in the single digits, and it seems like every election that libertarians are supposed to have, like you know, this is this is our moment, like we're we're going to take the step forward. They end up faltering to the wayside. I mean, it, this, and I, I mean, no ill will or disrespect towards Larry Sharp. Larry Sharp, I had him on my show back in March. Um, one of the most uh, phenomenal guys to ever have on a show. Um, he's very articulate. He knows libertarianism like like the back of his hand. Larry ran a just crazy campaign. He went to all 62 counties in New York state. He was looking to really pull a lot of votes from the wishy-washy Republican candidate in Mark, uh, Marcus Molinaro. And Larry ends up pulling in 1.6% of the vote. Um, that, that was just kind of shocking to me. He came in fourth to the, the green party candidate and Howie Hawkins. And I'm thinking like, you know, Larry, yes, Larry got the LP on the, the ballot for the next four years because he got over 50,000 votes. And Larry is easily one of the biggest success stories right now that we can look at in the United States from a libertarian perspective. And he came in fourth. What is the approach that the LP needs to take to number one, have real ability to have an impact on elections to the point that they're not just being an outlier or they're, they're, you know, tossing a, a vote one way or another, but actually winning elections and then being able to enact policy. That's number one. But then number two, how do we educate the voter mass to get beyond, like you had mentioned, the naked guy on stage or the Gary Johnson with his tongue out? What do we have to do differently that we haven't done yet? Well, part of the large problem is the duopoly is fear-based. So people think, like, I think in one state, in one state, and I can't remember which one I read it today, um, there was actually a libertarian who did, who was a conservative libertarian who did actually take votes from the Republican who lost. Oh, you know what? It was the Tapper. Or no, was it, what the hell's his name? Tester? 
The oh, yeah. tester. John Tester. Tester's the one, yes. It was the tester race where he was going against a Republican, and the Libertarian there got like 2.9% of the vote. And mm-hmm. and the division, the split between the Republican and Tester was like 1%. So there was, there, there is a case there that Libertarianism could have, you know, ruined it for the Republicans, but I do not even go there when it comes to voting your conscience. Agree. And you know what? I honestly, I don't care if we ruin votes. And like, I just, I hate the fact that the LP has gotten to this point that that's what we consider a victory. Like, oh, look at we, we stopped one candidate from getting all these votes and another candidate, whether it's the Democrat or the Republican. It's like, no, we, we have to stop having that be a, a victory. Like, I think with the duopoly, <laughs> it's fear based and the media picks sides. So we saw it with Gary. They did a, there, for his Aleppo moment, that was a very common tactic, what they did with him. He was yeah. talking, I, I think he was talking about health insurance or something, health care. So he's on this tangent about health care. Every question was about health care. And then all of a sudden they're like, and what do you think about Aleppo? And his brain went to like, is that a medicine? Like, is that, what's what? <laughs> what's you an know? Aleppo? Like, what's, yeah, exactly. What's Aleppo? Like, what is you know, and that's what they did. And that is how they framed him for the rest of the time. And they did it because he was a threat to Hillary Clinton because he was a, what they perceived as a centrist. They perceived him as taking votes from Hillary. So that was, that's why he had this, this moment. And that's why that happened. And I think until there's a real Liberty outlet, like we have Fox news and we have CNN and those are very far ends of the the same spectrum. We need another media outlet to start off with that is going to promote liberty. Uh, we need to break the duopoly. We need to have libertarians be able to debate. We need to have libertarians be able to have their voices heard. Like they're not allowed to debate in a free and fair election. That we can't have the libertarians, the Green parties, the independents that are all duly elected as the nominee. We cannot. That they're not allowed to vote. I was saying in Massachusetts we have uh, we had Shiva. He was a the independent nominee and he's got like oh god i'm probably mis- misquoting this he's got he's a doctor he's got like four degrees from mit but he couldn't debate and i mean that could have we might not have liz warren again if he could have his say you know mm-hmm. that's that's how serious it is but the du- there's money in the duopoly there's power in the duopoly and they use fear to promote it like they do every other facet of our life they use fear to control it Want to support The Brian Nichols Show? Please consider making a one-time PayPal donation at Show at gmail.com or join the Patreon at Liberty. Right. And I think you're doing something that is kind of helping break beyond this duopoly. Um, and that is you're using alternative means to reach people. So, we're in, and this is also kind of going back to why it's so scary when you watch somebody who, even though I deplore him, Alex Jones... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's being deplatformed from, from Facebook and from Twitter. That terrifies me. That absolutely terrifies me that that's happening. And rightfully so, because you look at, you look at the other organizations like the, the Free Thought Project, which, you know, I'm not necessarily a big fan of, of the Free Thought Project, but, um, no, no, first of all, not to be confused with the Free State Project, who have had my show, the Free Thought Project, which, but it was a libertarian page. Well, libertarian slash, um, anarchist page that had uh, well over a couple million, uh, viewers and, they get completely removed from Facebook. And it's, it's it makes me nervous going back to my original point because th- that's really the outlets that 
the libertarian messaging has been able to to take advantage of over the past really 10 years is these alternative forms of media, whether it's social media through through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, but then podcasting. Podcasting has really become the means for the libertarian message to break beyond the confines of the, the CNN or the Fox News, besides having, you know, Kennedy on Fox every now and then, uh, or Glenn Beck back when he started out on, on CNN, who Glenn Beck is hardly, you know, a, a full-blown libertarian, but he's definitely gotten more libertarian as he's gotten older. Um, you know, podcasting has become the means that people listen to to actually hear the alternative way of thinking. And and we're seeing people get deplatformed because now they're presenting these different ideas. And a lot of it, I dare say, is being, you know, led by the mainstream media we currently have with CNN, Fox, MSNBC, CBS, ABC. They're terrified of number one, this alternative form of media, but then also they're they're terrified of not being able to control the narrative like they've been able to control for the past what, 60, 70 years? Yes, you're absolutely right. And big tech is a large problem of it. And, you know, as libertarians, we're, we're stuck. We're like, okay, well, they're a private business. They're a private entity. But at the same time, you know, Facebook bought, what they buy? Instagram. You know, uh, Twitter bought Vine. And that's definitely not something monopolies do. So there is a monopoly on free speech. And that's where it's getting tricky that's where it's getting tricky to be able to differentiate. Okay. Is this really just a company, you know, saying, uh, with their free association, I would like to associate with these people. I would not like to associate with these people. Or is this how we communicate now? And this is how we speak to each other now. And there is a monopoly that is controlling the conversation that we are having and they're shutting down other conversations. It's scary because I really don't know, like, uh, I, on the the big show on the We Are Libertarians Network with Chris Spangle, um, just a couple weeks ago, he was saying, you know, I I am fully preparing that We Are Libertarians will be removed from Facebook by 2020 at the latest, um, which is which is kind of you know very well not kind of it is scary because I mean We Are Libertarians is not some controversial organization like it's it's a podcast to start out out of Indiana with a couple of guys and we talk about ideas we don't promote anything that's controversial. It's not like, you know, touching the the border of, of polite conversation. It's it's like we're talking about different ideas and we see other organizations who are in that same realm who are now being flagged. I mean, heck, Larry Sharp had his ads on Facebook like two days before the election, had them um, banned because they were quote unquote suspicious activity from the, the accounts. It's like, no, it's a guy running for governor. He's got your blue check mark. This is absolutely ridiculous. And yet it's being allowed because libertarians, I think, get stuck in the, the, the private property rights. And yes, Facebook has the right to do it, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't use our platform and use our voices to say that's not right. Um, so, Beyond the point of saying, okay, what are we going to do besides saying it's not right? I mean, what's the other channel? What what other platform, what other outlet do you see libertarians maybe being able to utilize, you know, if if the reality, if it comes reality in the next five years that all these different platforms are being taken away? I believe libertarians are going to need to come up with their own. We're going to need to get some some techie libertarian to create one. The closest thing we have to a free speech outlet is Gab, and Gab has just is ridden with stigma right now. And I think that that was done purposefully. And then, since, I mean, for instance, the guy who did the horrible, horrible shooting, 
last week or a week and a half ago. The the Jewish shooting um, yes. in Pittsburgh, yes. Yes, exactly. So the man who, who did that had a Gab account. He had also had a Twitter account. And he made 240 threats on Twitter that, you know, whatever, like they just, they're too busy, you know, shutting down anybody else, like, you know, other than like, they shut down Gay Patriot, for instance, you know, so they're too busy Mm -hmm. quieting down Gay Patriot to notice these 240 threats like that this man did. But then he's on Gab saying, not threatening anybody on Gab, just talking about himself on Gab. And Gab is the one that got thrown under the bus. And then you look at somebody like Dana Perino, and da- or not Dana Perino, Dana uh, Dana Lash. And I mean, she gets death threats, literally, on a daily basis on Twitter. And it's it's allowed for whatever reason. But then, you know, you have, like you mentioned, Gay Patriot, who, who he's he's a troll. Like, and it's fine. He's a troll. That's that's his role in life. And he, he fully embraces it. But then he gets banned. And it's like, okay, well... What's the standard? Like, we're having a, a top female conservative commentator literally getting death threats about herself, her family, her kids. But then you have a guy who's a troll, and he's a conservative troll. One gets banned, and one doesn't. And it happens to be the one who's just a troll, not the one who's actually making death threats that doesn't get banned. So I think there maybe is a little bit of an issue there. I think people are realizing it. The problem is, is that it's only... Those uh, more on the right, uh, to, to kind of get back on track a little bit, um, looking at the messaging, uh, I agree that libertarians probably have to have a different platform. I just then get nervous because I'm not necessarily nervous. I just get a little disheartened because part of the problem that we currently have right now in America is that the libertarian messaging is being so stifled by not only those in the media, but now by these different tech companies. I mean, other than literally going out and holding events, you know, in public where we're, we're holding like almost like Steven Crowder change my mind events. Um, you know, I don't know what, what more libertarians could possibly do, uh, than what they're already doing. I mean, maybe keeping these networks for more just networking between libertarians to say, Hey, I'm going to be in downtown Boston holding an event. Um, you know, help me. It helped me reach out people by putting flyers up or whatever. Um, I just, I don't know what the different alternative would be to what we're currently doing if and when the time comes that these different organizations are actually, you know, stifling the speech to the point that we don't have a, don't have a platform. It's, it's, it's tricky. It's, it's really hard because I believe we're being stonewalled by the media for starters. Um, they're, they framed us and they will continue to frame us a certain way. Um, and that's going to be bought because of the duopoly of fear that's going to be bought by conservatives and Democrats, even if they are themselves more liberty minded, they're not going to see the Libertarian Party as an outlet for liberty minded thought. So we are really we're not even at a crossroads. We're just at a wall right now. We just have to figure out how to get past the wall. Like it's never easy for libertarians because we were facing the media. We're facing the stigma. And there's just. There's no clear like path to take. And it's so frustrating because you see each party, the Republican Party and the Democratic Party, have the ability to have their narrative pushed uh, in one shape, way, shape, or form. And then here we are. It's like, hey, we just had different ideas and we're completely silenced. But I digress. Um, so <laughs> to, to maybe maybe on some uplifting notes, I'll, I'll turn it over to you, the, the Twitter master who's gained 17,000 followers in less than a year. You're obviously doing something right. You're you're bringing people into not only your sphere of influence, but 
with that, you're being able to promote the ideas of, of liberty, uh, free markets, economic freedom, personal responsibility, and personal freedom. And you're, you're actually bringing people into the movement with, with what you're doing. So if you could just give some advice, some perspective to some of those libertarians who get stuck in the libertarian echo chamber, to you, Josie, the, the redheaded libertarian, what would you recommend to to them in order to build their spheres of influence and actually help change hearts and minds? Connect with Brian on Twitter and Facebook at B Nichols Liberty and send your comments and questions to the Brian Nichols Show at gmail.com. I stay away from infighting. I don't infight with people. Um, if and I honest the, the the platform that infights with me most in libertarianism are the anarchists. Um, and I love the anarchists. I'm going to keep loving them back. I'm going to keep listening to them. Um, but I think the infighting needs to stop. Um, I believe most of us agree with each other more than we think we do. Um, I believe we have the same goals, but we have different ways that we want to achieve that liberty. And we have different levels of belief of that, that liberty. Like for, for instance, for me, as a minarchist, I believe in justice. I believe in the justice system. I believe that per the constitution, we need to have a, some very small government, even if it's just for our justice system, um, for the purpose of checks and balances. So, so for instance, that's, that's just my belief, but you know, I'll get people coming at me like, I'm like I'm ruining libertarianism for <laughs> believing that. And I'm spreading lies and I'm, you know, I'm evil and I'm a, a status, you know, um, <laughs> for this, for this belief that I've based on the constitution, I've based on the founders, I've based on the principles of liberty, I've based on the foundation of this country. Um, and, and I just want to, you know, be like Crowder and sit down and say, okay, change my mind, you know, but it usually comes with some kind of personal attack, which makes me not want to have that conversation. Mm hmm. You know, oh, <laughs> libertarians are notorious for unfortunately making situations that don't need to be personal, extremely personal. Um, yes. and, and, and I don't do that with libertarians. I do that with rude people. <laughs> if you are rude to me, I will sit you down and hope this helps you. And they that need is, it. That, and they, they probably, yeah, they need it. And that's it, just don't be rude to people. Don't be mean to people. Don't hurt people. Don't touch their things, you know? <laughs> Because I don't think a lot of libertarians understand that when you start, you know, tossing ad hominem attacks at people, that just shuts people off. Um, mm -hmm. They they don't want to hear your message anymore. You know, oh, you called me a statist. Oh, you called me this. Oh, you called me that. Okay, great. How receptive am I going to be to any any point or message you have going forward? Um, you know, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Jason Stapleton, but Jason Stapleton on his program, um, he has a good analogy, uh, analogy metaphor, well, one or the other, um, in which he he talks about, you know, we're on a bus. And we're mm -hmm. on our way to, to let's say, anarchism. Like, that's the world that we all want to live in. Yes, I'm on board with that. But you know what? We aren't even close to getting to that destination. So until now and then, can you help me out? Can, can we get off the bus at the same time and try to, to you know, I fight our way? I am willing to work with anybody who wants to move us toward liberty. If you are a democratic socialist and you want to move your way toward liberty, if you're like, okay, you know, I kind of like these ideas, but I also like these ideas and I'm seeing like, Okay, I can create a pathway from here to here that's going to mm -hmm. make sense to you. I will work with you on that pathway, you democratic socialist. I'll do the same thing with, you know, a far right troll or a 
a Christian conservative. I'm willing to work with anybody to make liberty happen. I just, I don't do the infighting. I don't, I'm not combative unless they are combative with me first. Then I defend myself because that's my right. I don't think people realize like Ron Paul literally went out of his way to co-sponsor the, uh, the audit, the fed bill with, with Bernie Sanders, mm-hmm. democratic socialist, Bernie Sanders, like Ron Paul Rand did that. Paul. Yeah, Rand Paul. And, um, yep. and then you have, you have folks like, like Tulsi Gabbard, who I think out of Hawaii, she's a congresswoman. I think she has a lot of ideas that libertarians, especially on the privacy side and the more personal freedom side, she is kind of libertarian in her, her messaging. And then obviously with more economic stuff, she gets much more into the, the more democratic socialist mentality. I mean, Cory Booker for, before his crazy I am Spartacus moment there back oh in, God. which was awful. It was just, it was embarrassing. He had terrible. a moment before that that turned me off with Christian Nielsen. Mm, mm-hmm. when he went off on her. Like that was just the most disrespectful thing. But yes, please go on. You know, say before his, his going insane. I mean, mm-hmm. Rand Paul and him were working together for, for criminal justice reform. And mm-hmm. I oh, just, yeah. And then he, he went nuts. He, uh, <laughs> yeah. He went nuts after Rand Paul got attacked. Mm-hmm. And then he went on, um, he went on his whole thing blaming Republicans for Rand Paul getting attacked. And Kelly Paul actually came out against it and said, Corey, you need to denounce what you said. You need to not say things like that. You know, like, like we like you, like, and you worked with Rand and you're friends with Rand. Why are, why are you saying these horrible things? Gone are you know? the days, gone are the days of people being able to disagree and mm-hmm. uh, still be civil. I mean, it, it made my heart warm. There was a tweet um, and it said, you know, at the end of the day, friendship over politics. And it was, it was, a uh, two kids. One kid had a Beto shirt on, Beto, um, O'Rourke, or, Beto O'Rourke shirt on. <laughs> and the other one had Ted Cruz shirt on. And they, you know, were arm in arm embracing each other. And I'm like, you know what? We, we see so little of that nowadays because it, we've gotten to this point where, and it's funny. I, I literally just listened to a, a Ben Shapiro episode that's a few weeks back. Um, I'm way behind in my shows. I'm trying to catch up on. Mm-hmm. I listen to the gym and I just, I get so behind. But anyways, <laughs> the episode was, talking about us not assuming ill intent by the, the our political opponents. You know, no, don't assume just because somebody disagrees with you on an issue that they're coming in from their disagreement with the point of, of uh, ill intent or ill will. Um, so it was more focused on discussing about um, policy disagreements. So if somebody pr- uh, promotes the idea of democratic socialism, don't instantly assume their intent saying, oh, they just want to take over the government and then enforce their will upon you. They may be coming in with... Uh, you know, going back full circle, back to the sympathetic approach versus the empathetic approach saying, I want to be able to help people because I see this travesty and this, this ill, uh, this, this um, upsetting instance in the world. And what can I do to, to fix this? And they go in with the idea they're helping and they're trying to fix it instead of looking at what they're doing and the actual negative ramifications. We can't look at them and just say, Hey, what you're saying is evil and you're trying to take the government and be a status and take over my life. Like that doesn't win them over. And if anything's going to dig their heels in, they're going to be like, Hey, screw you. Like I'm, I'm believing what I believe. I didn't want to take over your life. We just had to stop assuming the ill intent, but I digress. Um, so with that, I want to give the, the the platform to you for the, the final thoughts um, here in the episode, Josie, um, the redheaded libertarian. If you could give me um, your final thoughts for the episode, but then also I want you to be able to take a second and uh, if folks are interested in finding you, not only on Twitter, but also across social media, where can they go ahead and find you? They can find me at um, TRHL official on the Twitter. Um, I 
I co-run a Facebook page that isn't under my name. It's called The Libertarian Edge, and you can find it on Facebook. Uh, it's not the most active. I might post on there maybe once or twice a day tops. Um, I don't have an Instagram or a snap face or a snap face. <laughs> well, you, you are a Patriots fan. You're, you're taking after Bill Belichick there. <laughs> I am. Um, I, I don't have any of that. Um, but, but yeah, you can, you can find me on there. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm not a big DMer. I'm probably have probably close to 300 unanswered DMs, but I do try to find, like, I try to recognize everything that is commented on my page. So anybody who writes on my page, I try to at least acknowledge it with a like or a comment or something. <laughs> um, there is, it's getting harder as the page grows. Um, but yeah, 300 I I, unread DMs at least. Oh, God bless you. That's, yeah. oh. I've skimmed them over. Um, it's not a lot of hate mail, honestly. Like I, you would expect it to be, you know, with my position that I get a lot of hate mail, but I've, I've only gotten one, one death threat since starting the page. <laughs> I've only um, gotten one death threat. Only one death threat. <laughs> um, yeah, it was actually really creepy. I was, um, I used to do live streams. I used to do a lot of live streams when I first started the page. Um, right up through, I think my, it was my last one. And I think it was in March, March or April. And I was doing my live stream. No, do you know when it was? I know exactly when it was. It was, um, March 28th because it was three twenty-eight, and it was Patriots, you know, the, the Atlanta Falcons blew a, oh, yes, a 25 point lead day, yep. you know? So obviously I'm Pat's fan. Most people just get it. They get that I troll them and, you know, but I, I love them. I don't care what team they root for, you know, but it's just my, my little quirk. But, um, it was that day and I had, I, I, I said something about 28 to three and this one person comments and they're like, Hey Josie, what's your favorite horror movie? And I'm like, well, I don't really watch horror movies. And he goes, mine's the one where the redhead got her throat slit for making fun of the Atlanta Falcons. And I was like, holy okay. shit. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's, yeah. No, that's creepy. Nope. Yeah. Yep. Not so a fan. The last time, that was the last time I live streamed. I was like, that That was enough for me. How about that? The one time you get a death threat, it's not, it's not related to politics at all. It's about football. It wasn't. It was the Patriots. Go figure that one out, right? <laughs> I mean, I guess some people are pretty passionate about their politics, but yeah. People with football, though. I mean, I'm I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan in Philadelphia, so I uh, I, I constantly am on on my head in a swivel because like, <laughs> I, I married into that franchise. My husband was born in Texas. There you go, smart man. Yeah, I but I love my football. It's something we can do together, you know. <laughs> well, well that, I think that's a good happy place to end the show today. But but Josie, thank you so much for taking the time to uh to join me. I know you're you're under the weather today, and and obviously a mom of three kids, uh, you're busy. So with that, I wanted to just thank you for for taking some time out of your night. Um, please, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed today's episode, swing over to uh to, to Josie's uh Twitter handle again. It's the Redheaded Libertarian Official, uh, T R. HL official on Twitter. Um, I'll go ahead and obviously put a, a link to her Twitter profile there in the show notes. 17,000 followers in less than a, a year is, is absolutely insane. I've had my Twitter since 2000 and 
12 and I have like just under 5,000. So, I mean, it, you're doing something better than I am. And I, I'm truly, you know, in awe of watching you and be able to, to have the, the platform you do to, to promote libertarian and liberty ideals. So keep doing what you're doing, Josie. You're doing a phenomenal job. And, you know, to, as, as a libertarian saying this, thank you for all you do to help promote the message. Oh, thank you so much for having me on your show. This has been great. I hope we get to do it again sometime. Absolutely. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, if hey, if if you follow Josie, I hope you'll enjoy me as well. Follow me on Twitter at Liberty, Also on uh, Facebook at Liberty. And also, if you enjoyed today's episode, please take a second and uh, make a one-time PayPal donation. Uh, you can go ahead and find that uh, link at the Brian Nichols show at gmail.com. Or if you really, really, really like what the content we have here at the Brian Nichols show, become a Patreon uh, also at B Nichols Liberty. But until next week, folks, it's Brian Nichols signing off here for Josie, the redheaded libertarian on Twitter. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Brian Nichols show. Find more episodes at Brian Nichols show.com.